one of my parents was fighting for their life. The, the other just like took it like that and there was no sort of explanation. And I was like in my early twenties and I think I just shut off. And I think that's for me was kind of, I put it in a box and I didn't really deal with it. So I think that was almost like this underlying thing. And I, and I, I did, I suppose, channel all my energy in, into work. Hello and welcome to Good Journeys with Second Mountain, the podcast that shines a spotlight on inspiring people and their inspired stories. You can join in the conversation with us on social media using the hashtag GoodJourneysPod. And you can also find each and every episode in full over at our YouTube channel. Just search for hashtag GoodJourneysPod. I'm your host, Ben Veal, founder of Second Mountain Comms, helping good people do good. And joining me today is my guest, Liana Sakiris. I'm so pleased to have Liana on the show today. She's one of the most positive and purpose-driven people that I know. Liana is the CEO of Station Road Marketing, a strategic communications agency based in Cardiff that helps drive business value and growth through impactful marketing. As a certified B Corporation, Station Road's aim is to create lasting positive impact and Liana is a big advocate for using creativity and compassion to help organizations to navigate change. As well as being a guest lecturer at Cardiff University's Business School, Liana also works as an emotional intelligence coach, helping business leaders with self-awareness, compassionate leadership, and prioritizing personal growth. Liana, that's the big introduction. Welcome to the show, how are you? <laughs> I'm great, thanks. Thank you, Ben. It almost sounded like somebody else then. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> That's a lot there, isn't there? <laughs> there is there is a lot. Uh, I do have an entrepreneurial spirit and a, a love for learning. So, yes, uh, quite a lot going on always for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've, we've known each other a long time and I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. And um, one thing I was particularly thrilled to see um, was that Station Road recently became a B Corp. So how has how has that journey been for you? Well, just want to say thank you for having me as well, Ben. Oh, you're very welcome. We have, we have known each other for a long time. Um, B Corp. So it took us about 10 months. We started, I think it was October um, last year. Um, I mean, it was a no-brainer for us. You know, we, we're always looking to be better in how we operate. You know, when we set up the business, it was very much, you know, putting our people first in terms of our ethos. Um, uh, but B Corp is so much more than that. So, you know it really helped us to focus on how we operate, you know, who we're doing business with, you know, looking at our supply chains, for example, from a, you know, sustainability perspective, for example. Um, and it really, I suppose it was kind of like doing a bit of a gap analysis as to, you know, what we were already doing, what we knew we wanted to do more of and looking at those wider impacts of our business. Um, and it, we really learned so much through the process. I mean, it was, fair amount of paperwork it's not for the things started and I have to say we did it as a team and you know Jay in particular kind of broke the back of the paperwork side of it I'm not brilliant at that I'm very honest hold my hands up but you know we we worked through it together we got our team involved um and you know from everything we've experienced so far we would highly recommend it you know I think we can all do and be better really so you know it's a big commitment um you know as a an organization and it's a great community to be part of as well 
how long was the journey from beginning to end from starting the process to becoming a b corp so that was 10 months i, I think from what i understand from um other organizations that have been certified i think now there's such i suppose more demand and appetite for it it's the the internal process that takes time so you know we would we would complete different elements um to the process and then we'd have to wait a couple of weeks um so for example we we would fill out all the sections then um you'd have to provide proof points so you know you can't just say that we've got a well-being strategy and you know they they would ask for you know how we we track um different things so you would have to almost evidence different things so a top tip if you are going to go through that process make sure that you've got all of your documentation organized and because you do have time you know if there is something that sort of pops up and you think actually we want to sort that out right now you know it allows you to sort out things along the way um but yeah it was 10 months um I was so proud that we you know we, we scored I think it was 92.8 from memory that's incredible um, Patagonia is like 120 and I think it's you, you you get certified every three years so we'll have to go through the process and it's an ongoing sort of journey anyway you know it's that doing that little bit extra, you know, every day almost to be better. And, um, you know, it's allowed us to whittle out, you know, I mentioned supplies because that was a big eye opener for me, just looking at the supply chain and, you know, looking for the right sort of partners. And, you know, we've had, we've had people approach us now because they want to work with a B Corp agency. Um, you know, people have similar sort of values. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm talking too much already. But... No, you're abs absolutely not. It's brilliant. I mean, I have, I have huge admiration for you for, for going through it and for any business that's become a B Corp. I mean, why, why for you personally, was it, was it so important for, for Station Road to, to go for this certification? What, what sets it apart from, I guess, other similar movements? Um, I mean, from a business perspective, I think, it, it very much aligned, I suppose, with our values and what we were trying to achieve and, and our belief system. It wasn't just an ISO sort of quality, you know, and there's a place for, for all these different accreditations. But I think for us, it was, there's a lot of stuff that we've done over the years and things that we've put in place. Um, but we'd never really, you know, it was, I suppose we, we never really shout enough about the things that we do, if I'm perfectly honest. But I think becoming part of a community that was you know growing and focusing on collective change which is very much how we we operate you know we we like to collaborate to do good and you know even with our work with our teams with with our partners so I think that's what set it you know set it as a goal for us in terms of achieving it and going through the pr process and it is a big commitment to go through the process as well as well as sharing all of your information that there's also a fee at the end of it depending on the size of your organization so there's a financial commitment to it as well um but i think it it, it does also expose you to other members of the community that you can collaborate with and learn from and provide support as well it's a, a great community to be part of it's a little bit different from other accreditations where people come in for example and audit an interview and then it's kind of they're gone and then you know you don't really it, it I think it's that ongoing element that that works really well yeah it's an, it's an ongoing journey isn't it you, mm. you never really reach for goal you're all, always striving for better um you mentioned about um kind of new clients coming 
coming to you through B Corp. Um, how how does your how does your team feel about it internally? I think I mean they've they've all been involved in the process, so it's kind of for them it's almost business as usual in a way. But I think it's you know for for some people I I wouldn't say surprised as much, but kind of yeah. It's, we've all just been learning it sounds it sounds really strange to say you know it's you know it's not I didn't expect to get a new business lead come through because somebody said but I don't know why I didn't if you know what I mean because yeah. that's not I guess it's because that's not the reason that we did it but it makes sense because you know you want to work with people who've got similar values to you and and that's you know that's part of why we set up our agency as well you know we we knew there was a better way of doing things it wasn't all about you know the profits, you know, is very much people over profit for us. And, you know, we just want to make sure that our team are looked after and that we do great work and create those lasting positive impacts, really. So, yes. So, so let's go back to that, Ben. So, I mean, I've I've loved watching your journey and the growth of Station Road over recent years. Um, talk me through the journey to deciding to to set up your own business. Why Why did you make the decision to to take the plunge and set someone up for yourself? Um, well, I have been working in agency land since early 2000s. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I grew up, my my father and grandfather, you know, own their own business. So I guess there was a bit of the, you know, entrepreneurial side of things happening in the background in terms of my influence. Um, but I just think, and you will know this from having worked in in that space over the years and you know it's not just in our industry but you know that there were things happening you know where people were massively burning out there wasn't the work-life balance I kind of knew there was a better way I burnt out myself you know mm-hmm. and over the years you know I'd, I'd had sort of anxiety and depression at different points but I think it was where work had become so intense you know it, and it's not it wasn't all because of work you know I had childhood trauma and things happen in my life that I didn't really deal with but equally you know you just had to plow plow on with your your day job mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I think we weren't we weren't seen as individuals and that's what's really important to me in our business and part of the reason why we set up Station Road was to create somewhere where there wasn't that corporate side and what you know where people were put first you know I've worked in place you know not not everywhere was like this but that you know there were examples of you know people were crying almost every day with the stress that was put on and you know the client was always right and I know there's you know the customer service training where the client is, is always right but you know who had the backs of the individuals and you know we, I guess when we work in our industry, we all love working to sort of tight deadlines and we're creatives and we can flip between different things, but actually there wasn't that, that balance of our personal needs. Um, and, you know, you were expected to be at your desk at a certain time and everyone worked really long hours. And, and I think the joy, the joy just wasn't there for me in the end. And I always had this thing in the back of my mind, like maybe I'm just not cut out for business, you know, the, like the ethical side of it, you know, for me was another thing. And I just thought, oh, I just want to do a good job and work with good people. And and everyone told me, you know, when I decided to leave, because I became a freelancer before I set up Station Road with Jay. Um, right. 
And I was sort of very idealistic in my views because, you know, people had said, oh, why do you, you know, why do you want one of your values to be caring? I'm like, because I do care. I care about the people and I care about the clients and I care about the work and we should care. We should also care about the commercial side of things. But I think that there was quite an imbalance, you know, in, in, in agencies in the past. And yes, you know, we've all got to pay our overheads. We've got to pay salaries and all of that kind of stuff, but actually, um, you know, there's, there's other ways to look after the team and, you know, I know this is going to sound harsh, but we're not like, you know, brain surgeons here. Like if you don't send that email or that piece of work, you know, and, and half the time when there was a pressure on to send something, the client's not going to look at it at eight o'clock at night. Like, you know, it's no. so just to give you a bit of a flavor. So, yeah. So, so going back to, you know, after burning out, I took six months off, um, worked on myself I, at one point I just I thought I couldn't I, I can't write anymore I remember saying to my mum I'm just going to train and do something else I can't do this anymore and she just said you just need to give yourself time to heal and and I think by taking that time out I, I started doing things for me which is quite alien because I'd spent so many years just prioritizing work and you know working long hours and then going out for drinks and you know my my relationship with with food and drink and everything was was not brilliant you know and that's how we kind of self-soothed yeah. going out and getting obliterated yeah. and then caffeinating to get you through the next day and it was just and that does that's you know over the last 10 years I've spent a lot of time on you know self-care and self-awareness and well-being and like well-being is like paramount to our business you know it's we we try and make sure that everybody is like putting their own needs first because we all need to be okay we've all got stuff going on in our lives um mm. and so yeah I went down this this route where I felt like I couldn't couldn't write anymore took some time off um did a bit of freelancing to kind of you know pay some bills and get yep. myself started I met Jay and it took me about because we you know we're now married <laughs> it all happened really quickly that all or nothing thing that we talked about earlier Ben yep. um but yeah we we met and we were dating and then it took me about three months to to say yes to working together because we we knew we wanted to work for ourselves and he was still working somewhere else and we've got a complementary skill set he's very technical and digital focus I my background is sort of content PR and so so just just to backtrack so you went from dating to deciding to work together in a, in a, in a few months yeah yeah yes yeah we had a child about two years later as well so I'll let you do the math it takes nine months to yeah. to grow a child um so yeah it all happened happened really quickly um but yeah so we wanted to yeah we wanted to create somewhere where you know we would want to work and where other people hopefully would like to work where they didn't have that Monday morning dread um hopefully our team don't have it we especially we have no meeting Mondays so no we don't have to and clients are quite happy about that and I think that was always the thing it's like working with other people there was that thing of oh you've got to talk to the client when they need to speak to you and it's it's a two-way thing and it's the same when we, we go into pitch scenarios for work it's got to work both ways and and I don't know why people don't have 
what they think often are going to be hard conversations. You know, if there's something urgent or there's a crisis, of course, we're not going to say we're not going to talk to you. Whatever. But, but equally, it's just it's just planning ahead and, you know, valuing our time as well. I think what it is, is time. it's mutual respect, isn't it? One, yeah. of, one of the things that I struggled with for a long time in, in agency land, and, and this isn't my complete experience, but it's the majority of it, was the feeling that you were the supplier um, yeah. and the client was in charge and you were at their beck and call. And I, I, you know, countless weekends, countless evenings lost to these you know, incredible deadlines or last minute media pitching or a bit of news jacking or whatever it may be um, at the at the sacrifice of my family, at the sacrifice of my own health, at the sacrifice of my own well-being. And, and like you, we've talked about this before, um, you know, I, I'm the same as you, burnout, anxiety, depression, just completely worn down by the relentless pace of it. And the fact that it's, it's kind of always on culture, the fact that you feel like you need to be checking your emails at nine o'clock at night just in case a client has said something or just in case something is broken in the press it's it's overwhelming after a point and I think there's only so long it's sustainable to do it until like you and I you make a change totally you cut you it's it's not sustainable and I think it's I think people are a lot more open to talking about mental health now but I think mm. back in the the day god I'm, I'm making us sound really old here Ben and you know things no, but, I, but I but I think ba- I think back in the day was three years ago yeah realistically I think I think it, it, I don't even think pre-pandemic we're in a particularly good place to talk about mental health as a society. There have mm-hmm. been some inroads, certainly, of in the PR and comms industry to beginning to open up that conversation. And there have been state of profession surveys talking about the amount of practitioners that were struggling with mental health and depression. But I think it was only when the pandemic shone a global light on it and everyone suddenly was in this zone for a period but suddenly it became acceptable to to share, certainly for our profession, because we're supposed to be this always guarded, always creative, always positive. Swans, um, the swans yeah, glide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, 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 PR, the PR people that just, um, yeah, just attend glitzy functions, apparently. Um, we all drink champagne for breakfast. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So we're, <laughs> we're supposed to be this, these, these people that never stop. And yeah. finally, it was acceptable for our profession and many others to say, no, actually, we need to we need to look after ourselves. We have mental health struggles and we need to be kind to ourselves. Yeah, I mean, we're all human beings. And half the time when there are things going on, you know, or, or challenges, for example, it's tends to not be about work. It tends to be about what we're going through personally. It's the same with like client relationships. You know, often if there's something happening you know that or I don't know a, a conversation might be challenging and you know I had it once with a, a client where you know he'd completely kicked off with another member of the team and I was like this is this is strange it doesn't seem like you know how how he normally is and um and I gave him a call and it turned out that his dog had died and he was really upset about it but it it you know it came out in a very different way and I think it's you know, we also listen to a lot of that and in lots of different jobs, don't we? We 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 often listen to things that are, you know, beyond a marketing strategy or media mm. relations or whatever else. You're 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 human, you're having human interactions. And I think that was probably also part of the problem previously in you know in other organizations that we worked in and things that we'd experienced is that actually it all became about, you know 
the people were the money makers and they had to do that job and the client was always right and actually those people are human beings and you know they want to go to see their kids you know nativity play or they might be stuck in traffic because of you know you know dropping someone off or actually they need to make time to go to the gym but they can't do it around the the regular mm. hours of the day and um you know that was something that I don't know I just I, I couldn't understand it and I think I was a little bit misunderstood in places that I'd worked before and I think from my personal experience was that I just wanted to do things in a completely different way and and to almost like celebrate people's strengths rather than try and chip away at their weaknesses and you know just allow people to have that personal growth and you know rather than trying to make people do jobs that they're not suited to you know it's even with you know from a doing like catch-ups and one-to-ones you know why they're meant to be positive you're meant to come out and think oh great this is where I'm going this is what we're doing this is how I'm going to get help not being like dragged in to be told oh well you know why have you not done your timesheets and I don't know whatever yeah clearly I have an issue with timesheets <laughs> again going back to that kind of we're not robots we're actually creatives at the end of the day um I mean I'm I'm interested in kind of exploring so so you're talking about kind of work-life balance more Mm. and you know we know this isn't an always-on industry it 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 always will be to a degree how how do you personally strike a a balance when it comes to to work and life um and how are you instilling that internally within station road um it, it, it I think it's always a, a bit of a juggle especially for for me now you know I've got a, a son and you know it's Jay and I share you know share share the load but you know I think and also when you're conditioned in a way because you've been working so long it almost that like becomes habit this almost always on thing um you know technology as wonderful as it is hasn't helped us in other ways <laughs> Um, but I think self-awareness is probably the biggest thing. And I think that's, you know, that's what I've worked on personally. It's stuff that we work with the team on. Um, we've all done sort of emotional intelligence profiles in terms of, you know, so, so that we can understand more about ourselves. Um, but also when we do planning, we don't just do business planning. We do, we do personal growth planning. So we, we focus on what our wants and needs are um, beyond oh, you know, you need to be going on that, you know, social media training or, you know, from a technical perspective. Mm. Um, And I think once you've spent time understanding yourself, you understand what you need and what, you know, we had, we had someone come in and do a six week course with us on mindfulness, for example, and she described it beautifully. She said, oh, you know, everyone had to draw um, a hot air balloon and you had to put in the basket, all the things that were weighing you down and in the balloon, all the things that were lifting you up um and the aim was to obviously try and figure out what what things were lifting you up so for me it's going to the gym I love doing strength training and you know it's a commitment to myself to go four days a week um I have to go in the morning because otherwise I don't go so it's almost like keep keeping to things so having a having a structure but also creating an environment you know from a station road perspective where that's fine to do that. That's, you know, if you've got doctor's appointment, if you've got, you know, it's 
we're not clock watchers like we've just got to get the job done well you know and and make sure that our health and well-being is you know that's our top priority um in in the business so I think making you know as well as doing it for myself and you know Jay we look at it as a whole as a team so we try and understand how we all work so we've we've got like a one pager on working together so you know some people prefer to be you know to have a phone call some people like notice to book in a call because obviously we're hybrid now we're in the office twice a week but we also work remotely some people come in more in the office depending on you know some people like to be in every day so you know it's that kind of understanding of and you know using tools like we we use different tools to understand how people are feeling there's an app called Lupin that every day it kind of asks you it's connected to our slack channel and um everyone can see how you're feeling so you like click a like a smiley face depending on your mood and then there's a couple of words that you can pick out you know I'm feeling motivated or I'm feeling tired or whatever so if you might not be the sort of person that would want to talk about that openly you know and it's not compulsory but everyone has been engaging with it and it and it helps because then you start to look at it and you go oh actually you know Liana's tired today and you know she's feeling a bit stressed or whatever maybe I'll talk to her about that thing tomorrow because it's not like super urgent mm. or whatever um so yeah self, self-awareness we work on an, in in a lot of different ways together but knowing what you need to do for yourself and you know as long as you're your needs are being met that tends to like uplift your mood um getting help if you need it I mean I think um that's one thing that you know it's it's fine to ask for help I think you know we we work with a, a coach that helps us from a business perspective to give us a bit of headspace when we're looking at the business but we've also got a, a program in place for the team, you know, and the, whether they want personal coaching, we've got a counselling, you know, an, an hour of counselling or coaching a month that is there if people need it. Some people use it a lot. Some people don't use it. Mm. Um, uh, and I guess, that, you know, and that ties into nurturing an environment where people feel comfortable to have those conversations or to, to be able to come forward. Whereas I think in the past, my experience it was kind of frowned upon that you know you always had to be okay and it was almost like this although I am very positive like this toxic positivity that everyone talks about it's like actually it's okay you know that whole thing it's okay to not be okay and okay what what help do you need and you know some people will figure things out themselves some people need the help um uh and then when, when I when I said at the start of the podcast that you're one of the most positive people I I know I mean that genuinely because you're not you're, you're very you're we'll come on to some of the challenges you've you faced in your life shortly but I mean you're you're an incredibly authentic open person um and I think what I, what I love about especially the stuff you do on social media and conversations we have is you are always trying to look for the good in a situation but not in a <laughs> but, but 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 not in a in a in a silly unrealistic let's just be positive the world's made of rainbows yeah yes yeah no I think I and I think I think I am realistic but I also think you know there's some things in life you will never change there's some people in life you will never change and I think I've learned over time that you can only control the things within your control and if you need you you always have that choice to make that change and you know I've, I've I've been in environments before um where 
I've looked at the situation, I've thought, well, and I've tried different things to improve the situation and it hasn't improved. And it's it's then like knowing when you've got to walk away from something or somebody or the situation. So it's, and it's not easy, you know, when there's so many other things going on and, you know, especially if you're not in a good headspace, it's quite, it can be quite hard. So it sound, probably sounds quite easy when I say, well, you know, think think about these things and can, you know, do take action, but sometimes, you know, it's hard to, um, but I think that's being able to talk about it and, you know, being in a space where you feel safe to have honest conversations. And sometimes the honest conversations are quite direct and, you know, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. It's actually, you know, and, and I think that's the compassionate side in me, I think that comes through is that actually it's not, you know, you, you, you empathize with, with people and, and you listen but also like the compassionate bit is about taking the action and the right kind of action and sometimes the right action isn't isn't what you know you would I suppose want to do ideally and especially you know from a, a confrontational point of view a lot of people don't like confrontation and I think that's it's also a very like, British culture you know, and I, I grew up out in Africa, my my dad is Greek, my mum is Welsh. It's kind of I'm I'm probably a lot more direct than a lot of people, um, but I think as long as you're being respectful in how you're communicating, um, I think that works. Mm. Um, sorry, I feel like I've lost my train of thought here. Not, not at all. Good I mean, question. <laughs> yeah, you have, uh, and 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 I think you know one of the one of the things I was quite interested in actually just thinking about how you've how you've built this agency and business around a culture that resonates with you. Are you finding that that actually attracts the kind of clients that you want to work with? Do you, do you find that being so open and vocal about the fact that you are this caring, compassionate culture and that you are that as a leader in a way turns away a certain kind of client and you're finding you're attracting people that are a bit more like-minded? Yeah, I would say especially now you know as we've kind of matured as an agency and, and you know, I suppose we're a little bit you know more vocal about things in the past we you know have always kind of kept our head down and not not push things out as as much but um I think it rubs off on our clients as well you know some of them that have been a bit more I suppose corporate in their mindset you know kind of seen things a bit differently and have and we've I suppose you know the, these positive impacts that we talk about. It is not ne it's not necessarily always just about um, things from a communications perspective. And I suppose what our day job is actually the way we operate and the way our team are and our culture. I think it can infiltrate our clients' cultures, and it has. And then they've got us in to kind of share some insights and and they've made positive changes internally then that are actually I mean it I suppose for me most things connect to communication anyway you know there's yeah. you know whether it's you know building internal relationships or you know anything done externally how how you position your business you know all of that kind of stuff but um for me that's that's what motivates me is just seeing seeing that change and seeing that that positive change and getting you know the good results that matter to the client rather than you know wasting time and effort on stuff that isn't going to work but I suppose going beyond that kind of day-to-day -day, and like 
you know, we've a, a lot of clients will say, you know, well, you do care and you treat our business like it's your own. Um, you know, and I think it's it's finding a balance then as well, you know, because you you do have to have boundaries as well, because you know, when you do empathize and you care as well, it can take take it out of you as an individual. So especially like dealing with different relationships and you know, not just from a client perspective, but all of us, you know, in our day-to-day -day interactions, you know, if you if you're taking a lot on, it can be a bit draining and it's kind of knowing when you need to draw a bit of a line for certain mm. things as well. I know that you're you're be better than I, I think, at switching off and actually taking <laughs> times out of the business. That's certainly been my observation over the last year or so has been that you're, you, you, you seem to be becoming better as a leader in terms of saying, I'm having a period of time off. Do you, do you effectively manage that? Or is, is that the intention that you're working towards? How, how, because for me, switching off since I set up my own company has, has proven incredibly difficult. And I know that's in, within my own head and something I need to overcome. It is, it is really hard, especially if you're wired that way. Um, I have been a lot more intentional. I mean, we are really lucky. We've got an awesome team who, you know, handle things or, you know, they, they always say, don't worry, we won't break it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they don't, they, you know, they, they do an awesome job. I think it's, um, it's a lot easier now than when it was just the two of us and then there were the three of us. So, you know, Rachel's been with us uh, pretty much since the beginning and she's, you know, seen the team grow with us. Um, and, you know, at, when it was a couple of us, it was a bit harder to switch off. I, out of the two of us, Jay and I probably find it harder to not look at my emails and my phone. Um, but I think the, the guys always know that we're there if, if they need us, but generally they don't. And um, and I try to, you know, we both try to lead by example to switch off because, you know, the, the guys, you know, we're always encouraging them to take holidays throughout the year and not just, you know, taking it in blocks. You know, we have, you know, since the beginning, we've had 30 days as our standard holiday plus bank holidays, um, you don't have to keep time back for Christmas, which used to like really irritate me when I worked for mm -hmm. other people. <laughs> um, you take holiday when you need it. You know, we've had a member of the team, you know, go off for three weeks traveling recently. As long as we can plan around it, great. And so we're trying to do that for us as well. You know, if there's stuff that we do need to be involved in for whatever reason, then we try and plan up, you know, our breaks. But it's, it's important to take a break throughout the year and I'm feeling it a little bit because I didn't have as much time off this summer because I moved house and stuff so I'm I've got some holiday coming up towards the end of the month which I'm really looking forward to just to to switch off and I think I mean I think there's a little bit of I don't want to say dread but when I do come back from holiday the guy's like oh she's come back with all these ideas now because my <laughs> my brain switched off from the the day-to-day -day stuff and um hopefully it's you know not too much when I come back off holiday but yeah I do I do try as best as I can and I think having a little one you know where you know you want to be present for them and you know not be you know looking at phones and worrying about things you know especially you know in the evenings um is I think you know having I try and put my phone in a different room so that mm. almost like the temptation to look is not there um, but yeah, it's not, 
it's not always perfect. It's always a work in progress, I think. And um, and I would always rather know if something is if something needs to be dealt with and somebody wants help, I would rather know. So it doesn't equally doesn't stress me out if somebody did call me because, you know, to know. <laughs> well, I think you know when it when it's your when it's your own company that that does blur the boundaries, doesn't it? Yeah. Home and work anyway. I mean, it, it it is it is your baby. It is your it is your life and yeah. you can't ever fully switch off from that but I think what you're describing here is a yeah, you know, it's a really inspiring business model that I hope more agencies can adopt that just not the, the feeling of that kind of presenteeism which I think is just so pervasive across agency land and having to clock watch and having to always serve the client to the client's whims of the, I think the way you're describing it is I, I really hope that becomes the future for agencies because I can only imagine how different my certainly my early years as a father would have been if I'd worked in an environment like that um how how much has kind of COVID and the pandemic changed or moved that forward has, has that kind of had you all got all these changes in place beforehand or has that shifted the conversation along a bit to be quite honest we were pretty flexible how we worked anyway you know pe people not in the office all the time um you know we so it wasn't a, as much of a shock to the system, if you know what I mean. I think, but I do feel, you know, as with a lot of people and, and in, in our industry, you know, being creative, we like being around people, mo well, most of the time anyway, yeah. you know, bouncing ideas and brainstorming and, you know, doing some of the planning and stuff. So, um, and you know, we asked the guys, you know, what, what do you want it to be, you know, when, when we can all go into the office. Um, and that, you know, hybrid model was what was kind of requested. We're seeing more people coming in more frequently now, you know, the last, I would say the last month in particular. Um, but, you know. Because it's, they, that's because they've got to now pay their heating bills at home. <laughs> we haven't got a shower. I'm sure if we had a shower, that'd be the next thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, we changed the office up as well in terms of the setup so that, you know, there's sort of more breakout rooms. We took We took another floor, actually, to to have more space um, to spread out a little bit more. And, um, and also we, you know, our team did, did grow as well, but um, you know, we, our, our model is, you know, we've, we've got a course of full time to, you know, we've got a couple of people who work four days a week, you know, we're discussing whether that's, you know, something that's going to go across the board or not. But, you know, I think because people take holidays when they need to, there's, there's not ever really been a, you know, that much of a call for it um but we also work with sort of trusted partners and associates so you know we and we're not sort of shy about that whereas I think before in agency people would get really paranoid about saying that a freelancer was going to be helping on a project or whatever but you know we get to work with really great people who um don't necessarily want to work uh, you know as an employee or full-time you know and there's there's a couple of um associates that we work with like one or two days a week for example um and we wouldn't get access to kind of that talent if we didn't have that kind of a model if you know what I mean so that's another that's another thing about you know we, I talked about sort of getting help and having you know doing the right things I think you know that for me is is the right thing where you know down the line I think people are going to be a lot more selective about how they want to work and when they want to work and it's kind of started now 
Um, not saying everyone's going to be digital nomads, you know, in that sense, but you know, there's a lot more of that entrepreneurial spirit as well, where people have got different things on. And, you know, as long as we're all kind of aware and we we know, I suppose, what time we've got allocated with different people. It's, it's, I think it's about being more organized with the, I suppose, that kind of a model really. Um, I, think, I think COVID opened eyes to how productive you can be um, mm. in, in any location. And actually the fact that you can generally have a bit more balance in your life, whether that's with, with looking after children or looking after elder family members or just looking after your health and well-being or just having some chill time it just yeah. it just made people realize that actually this this model of kind of nine to six at a desk in a city is probably intrinsically broken for many and um there are other ways and i think it's exciting to see how you know things are shifting going forward um obviously um, you're sorry oh sorry i was just gonna say because i mean in terms of the team like you know we've got a team member that lives in Dubai for example and it doesn't affect you know it's not a it's not a big deal you know we've got people across the country um but yeah I think it's it would be nice to see more people embrace it because I think some people have gone back to their old ways from what I hear um in different businesses and you know wanting people to be in every day which I think for the most part people don't want to do um no, and and it and it is for business leaders to fly yeah. the flag. It's for people like you and people like I to actually talk about the benefits mm -hmm. and how much richer our lives are by doing things a different way. We do not have to revert back to pre twenty twenty models of working. Mm. You know, we we just don't. Um, I know that uh, I, I know that a lot of the um, awareness and emotional intelligence that you've brought into the workplace and brought into Station Roads is um, is because of a lot of the journey that you were on you've been on personally and I know that um you know mental health and mental health challenges are, is a really important area to you um could you could you kind of talk me through some of the, the personal challenges that you've you've met along the way and and what you've what you've learned through your life so far how long have you got <laughs> as, long, as long as you need I, I know I know you've got a story to tell so. sorry yeah I got like, too many stories no um yeah. I guess you know from from my point of view, I mean, I, I I did, you know, suffer some childhood trauma. I, you know, my my father had been an, an alcoholic. You know, he his behaviours were just, you know, completely changed. It was like having a completely different person. Um, and, you know, eventually he did um, commit suicide. So I think that was quite a, a traumatic experience for me. Um, and... But at the same time that that was happening, my mum was uh, going through chemotherapy. She, she'd had breast cancer. So it's kind of like one of my parents was fighting for their life. The, the other just like took it like that. And there was no sort of explanation. Um, and I was like in my early 20s. Um, and I think I just shut off. And I think that's for me was kind of I put it in a box and I didn't really deal with it. So I think that was almost like this underlying thing. And I, and I, I did. I suppose channel all my energy in, into work um, and it wasn't that I wasn't offered support or or supported I just chose not to because I think I'd I felt too it was too hard at the time um, and I just wasn't yeah I suppose I didn't really deal with things and then you sort of layer on top of that you know not having this work-life balance 
and you know all of a sudden you kind of go pop <laughs> yeah. um so I suppose you know I had uh I mean I was before I went pop I was you know high, highly functioning with anxiety and you know my mental health um you know you wouldn't have known you know until I kind of you know I suppose when I started crying every day, then that was kind of a big sign that I was having problems. So that's that's for danger, uh, isn't it? Of, of yeah. you know high high level people functioning with anxiety and depression, <laughs> but being able to mask it. Yes, yeah, I was very good at masking, and um, I finally went to the doctors, and I just burst into tears. And he said, "Oh, you know, I'm going to put you on some medication." I was like, "I'm not crazy. Why are you giving me tablets? You know, I, I can I just not talk about this?" But I'd got to that point where I'd sort of, I needed something to to calm me a little bit. Um, and I had a couple of uh, weeks off work and um, I was working in the Midlands at the time and the MD was super supportive. And I think she'd started to recognize the signs and we talked about it and, you know, that was a very, you know, supportive environment for me. But um, yeah, I took some, took some time off, had, had my medication, I ended up coming off it after a couple of months um and I think I should have had some counseling but it like with the system it just took so long and um I just got sucked back into I'm okay now I'm just gonna carry on and uh and stuff and then it sort of reared his head um a couple of years later you know my early 30s then and that was when um when I burnt out and was making hideous life choices and drinking in an awful lot I don't you know I don't I don't really drink well I haven't had a drink for a long time actually you know it's not that I would say no to a glass of wine but I I choose not to now um but I think spending time then and this is where I suppose all the self-awareness and understanding you know I I think everyone should go for counseling I think it should be like in the states just without anything being wrong really just having a bit of an MOT and talking through things um before they get to build up into something bigger um but yeah I started I started sort of having some counseling and that really helped me to you know I really didn't know where where to start when I walked into that room and I just it's just like whoa these words (laughs) if you can make sense of this you know and we started to unpick things and I started to face things and um and I think it's strange because it was such a juxtaposition with what I was like in my work life. From a personal point of view, I'd pushed everything down so much in work. I was I was facing things and challenging things and being direct and getting the job done. And, you know, so this stuff that was really painful, I guess, was was quite hard. And, you know, we can do hard things. And I think that's what I kind of learned, you know, you know, health and health in your personal life should come first. Like, yes, we spend a lot of time in work, but you know, our families and our our friends and you know, all of that is is more important than you know. Yes, we we all need to pay our bills and stuff, but actually, if we're not here to do that, you know, because our health is so bad, it's you know. Um, so yes, I I that was kind of the start of my journey of understanding and acceptance and you know trying to work through some of the questions that I'd had about things that happened you know with my father my my grandfather also committed suicide so it's kind of like a few 
things had happened. Um, and then was that was that your your father's father? Yes, yes. Mm. Um, and I think you know that's why this sounds really weird to say, but you know I love now that you see more people talking about that, and you know that the things around sort of men because I think being sort of like Greek and very proud it was you know he just thought he should deal with everything himself and kind of mm. you know and that's why I think he was sort of numbing himself with alcohol and you know just to not have to deal with it a little bit kind of like how my behavior started you know mm. and I, I think mm. I did think god you know I I was pretty much drinking every night I was you know not to say, you know, I wasn't the only one. A lot of us were doing that. And I think that's how people were coping. And I think it's very much part of our British culture to mm. like a drink. You know, you yeah. celebrate, you have a drink, you commiserate, you have a drink. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Had enough for the day, let's have a drink, you know. And, and I yeah. think it's, it, I recently started actually working with a drug, drug and mental health charity. And I got to hear stories from, you know, different, different addicts and, and that it's that addictiveness. And I think that, you know, what you were saying earlier about the, the work-life balance, like work mm -hmm. can be addictive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're getting your, um, your fix in terms of like how you see yourself and how you identify through work, then that can also be quite as damaging. So I feel like I'm going a bit yeah. deep here now. No, no, absolutely. I, I think <laughs> it is. I mean, I think, you know, that, that kind of what, one thing I think I suspect in society for many has replaced traditional kind of drug and alcohol addiction mm. is this addiction to external validation. Yeah. Addiction to social followers, social engagement, um, that kind of digital profile, the influence that you've got, you know, that kind of constant dopamine hit of checking your phone every two minutes in case you've got a notification, in case someone's engaged with you. Mm. Um, it's it's really challenging. I think if you're someone with an, uh, who's wired with an addictive behaviour, mm. um, many people probably have just as much of an issue with their kind of omnipresent devices as we did 20 years ago 15 years ago in agency land with excessive drinking mm. and and other things for other people yeah <laughs> we won't go, we won't go there <laughs> that, 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 one thing i'm interested in is um you know because I, I i see you know you've spoken out quite candidly and, and I'm, I'm always very you know encouraged when i see you talking around um suicide prevention um mm. Suicide Prevention Week, I believe, is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, I, I came to know your story a few years ago through through what you were putting out on social, and I had I had no idea until that point. Um, my hope is that we're starting to raise generations of young men, especially who recognise the value of talking. Like I'm the first in my family who's gone through counselling. I'm the first in my family, I think, that's you know really sought help and talking therapies and I'm very aware of um areas in my life that I want to keep addressing and mm. I know that this is a you know progress is up and down and it's it's not a straight line um you know as a as a as a mother to a a, a young boy I mean early to have those conversations I'm sure at the moment but at some point, I guess that's going to come up in his, his family story. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's he's six now, and I think mm. it's it's probably too soon to 
you know talk I mean we do we do talk, we, we've had all sorts of conversations and I you know I encourage in terms of, sort of talking about emotions um every night before he goes to sleep we we talk about you know our three happy things and our three sad things um and often the conversation because you know he'll come home from school and he's busy and he wants to play and he's doing stuff and you don't really you know what how was your day uh, you know or even if we're having dinner yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, he, not a lot comes out but at night time and you know maybe it's a habit that I've created for him in a way where he wants to talk at night time because I've, you know created it with that you know and sometimes we do it together as a family you know or we'll do it you know just the two of us or you know Jay will do it with him but um, I find it really important to do it and you know I've got him into doing like a little journal he doesn't do it every day it's not like but you know, just to kind of get him to express things and to know that it's okay to talk about things and it's okay to have sad feelings or angry feelings or, you know, and that it's okay to cry and you know all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's it's that modeling as well, that modeling behavior because I think, you know, we we've all got to play a part. You know, not not just me as his mother, but his you know his dad as well, and you know other other people that are around him and I think it's um yeah I'm, I I am very mindful that I will have the conversation with him you know we've talked about death you know because he's asked you know what happens when you die and you know he knows my my father is dead um and then it sort of started this conversation around well I don't want you to die and when do you die and how you know like all these things you know and and I find just being I suppose as factual as you can be and you know is is best but um but yeah you know I eventually will tell him I suppose his my, my father's story and um but it's a balance of you know when do, when do you do it and you know I think the more people talk about things the better and I think once you start talking to people about suicide I found anyway you know it's not something that I you know, go out and I suppose plaster everywhere, you know, I, if it's appropriate in the conversation or, you know, certain things up, you know, I will comment on it. Um, but I, the more you talk about it, or you'll find that somebody knows somebody who knows mm -hmm. somebody, you know, there's, there's always the connection and it's, and it's been such a taboo mm -hmm. uh, for a very long time, I think. Um, and it shouldn't be something, you know, to be ashamed of. It's not, you know, it's not my action, right. you know, or, and, you know, yes, it does make you think, well, you know, is it, you know, is there sort of hereditary kind of traits, you know, is that a thing or not? And you, you know, start to sort of read around that kind of thing. But, um, but no, I think with, it's just, <laughs> it's going to sound like an app, but it's just good to talk. We should all be yeah. talking more and, um, and not, and I think, you know, you're saying we talked about masking, you know anxiety or mental health or whatever but I think people are masking their emotions because there's been that or that culture and environment previously where you know you just had to crack on and get on with your job and you know not not have any feelings about you know that thing that's annoyed you in work or whatever or you know stuff's going on at home and I think that's that's where my interest in emotional intelligence came in. You know, when I was doing all the work around self awareness and the counselling, and emotional uh, intelligence is you know all about um, 
managing your emotions, understanding other people's emotions and and then sort of being able to interact kind of respectfully in that sense. And um, and I think it's got a massive role to play in how we communicate with each other. And I think we should all be seeing each other as human beings and not just that job description or job title, you know, as we're talking about it from a workplace mm. scenario. Um, well, I'm interested in it from a leadership standpoint. Like, why is it so important for a leader in in today's kind of hybrid, I guess, post post pandemic world, for lack of a better term? Um, you know, for leaders to have that emotional intelligence, what what, what difference does it make? I think it's just, it, it's um. I think you'd be able to make better decisions um, because the more understanding you have. You know, with anything, the more data you have, the more understanding you have, the more informed decisions and actions you can take. Um, and I, th I think, you know, there's, it's not just from a, a leadership point of view, I think it has to be across the whole team that, you know, the, the, the more self-aware you are, the better you'll be able to communicate because you understand you know more about yourself you understand where things might be triggering you or how how and how you how you work best with other individuals you know and and it's it's hard you know especially if you had a, a large volume in terms of team but it is you know it's something that you would commit to to kind of understanding um but yeah I think just like decision making um you know building trust in particular I think is a is a big thing I think it helps from a communications perspective because you're you're judging you know some things over time become intuitive I think in terms of how we respond to things um but even in terms of you know getting things done effectively you know the 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 more um emotionally intelligent you are the more you'll be able to read that situation and and make the the right choice or the best choice in that moment really well, I think it's you know it's it's really powerful for work you're doing and um I think it 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 kind of speaks volumes about the the leader that you you are and also what you're you know aspiring to be um what does success look like to you at, for, for Station Road now in maybe three to five years time and and also what does success mean to you you know as liana in your life these days um i think from a, a station road perspective for us it's it's always about sustainable growth and being able to keep creating you know positive impacts for more people you know that whether that's you know purely within our team but also for our clients you know and and i suppose it's just scaling what you know we we've never sort of taken any investment or done you know we've just grown sustainably and I think it it feels more comfortable and I think it means that we can make sure that our culture sort of remains intact in terms of you know rather than um trying to do things too quickly um for me success is that we have have an agency where you know people are happy and healthy and doing great work um because 
we spend so much time in work you just don't want it to be shit sorry yeah. sorry to swear not so far <laughs> it's just it's at fine. the end then uh, you know you you just don't want that you know life is hard in itself like we all go through things you know throughout our lifetime and if we can create somewhere where people feel safe they they know they're being looked after and that they can be honest and upfront about things then we can help you know and and I would I would hate to lose that um you know and we've got a, we've got an awesome team I just you know it'd be great to have more awesome people some more diversity of thought coming in you know if we'd learn things from from I learn something new every day and it's you know it's, it doesn't come from an, a hierarchical thing of like which was old school like you know you learn from the senior leadership team and whatever it's kind of we all learn from each other and you know the right people do the right things and or you know we get great results and you know and even in terms of the, you know working with the clients and our partners you know it's very collaborative how we do things and you know together we can do great things um so yes what about you personally me me personally <laughs> um well hopefully you know in the next year or so I will finish my book that I'm writing so that's a personal goal for me um but you know I just I want to keep working on my um working on myself and you know helping people however I can and for me that's that's where I get my joy um really and uh you know making sure that I don't let things slip from a, a self-care point of view and you know we do the best job that I can as a parent <laughs> which isn't uh, easy no it's that is the hardest job um I've ever had but the most rewarding probably as well absolutely um well yeah. thank you thank you for being so um well just so open just so so inspiring really on on our chat today I, I i love i always love speaking with you i'm so glad that we've been able to put this you know on a on a podcast and have hopefully more people um you know kind of hear your story here about the work you're doing um for anyone that's listening today how can um they keep in touch with station road and you what are all your socials plug away Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> now it's a test. I, I, you might have to write my name. My, I've got a, a weird spelling for my name. So for um, Station Road is at Station RD MKTG on Twitter, I think. But you know, if you search Station Road Marketing, we should come up hopefully. Um, we're on Instagram and now TikTok. I'm on TikTok now, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if you search Liana Securis, you should find me hopefully and uh always open to connecting and uh meeting new people oh, brilliant well thank you so much for for coming on today um I'll, I'll add all your details um all, all your details will be there on spotify and youtube etc so people can can find you and connect with you um but that wraps us up for today so this has been um the good journeys podcast with second mountain um and I've been your host, uh, Ben Veal, the founder of Second Mountain Comms, helping good people do good. Um, if you've liked the show today, then please give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, which really helps. And don't forget to let us know what you think via the hashtag Good Journeys Pod. 
say thanks for joining us today. I've been Benville. She's been Liana Sakiris. This has been the Good Journeys for Second Mountain podcast. So until next time, let's keep climbing together and see you all again soon. <laughs>